go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I think it's good to remember, you know, in those moments where you're, you're not hitting those times where you used to, it's just remembering that you're still putting in the effort. So you're still gaining something from that workout, whether you realize it or, or whether you want to admit it or not, because I too easily get like mad after a bad workout. And I have to remind myself like, well, I, I still worked hard. So some, you know, I'm still getting something out of that instead of being like, well, the times weren't there. That sucked. It was worthless. This episode of the Smart Athlete Podcast is brought to you by Solpre, skincare for athletes. Whether you're in the gym, on the mats, on the road, or in the pool, we protect your skin so you're more comfortable in your own body. To learn more, go to solpre.com. Welcome to the Smart Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Funk. My guest today is a two-time All-American swimmer. She was six-time Big 12 champion, two-time finalist in the U.S. Olympic trials. Currently, she's coaching with the Columbus Aquatic Club and mentoring through Rise Athletes. If you want to get in touch with her and you're not in that area, this year, this last year, she's participating in the second year of the International Swim League. And as we are getting closer, headed to the Olympic trials coming up here in June, welcome to the show, Leah Gingrich. Thank you. Thanks for having, having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for thanks for hanging out. Um, I know of all things you could be doing, you could probably be in the water right now instead of hanging out with me. Um, you know, so that which actually leads me to one thing I, I want to ask you about almost immediately. Um, because I think this happens in pro triathlon, pro running, any endurance sports in particular, but swimming kind of get lumps into that just all at all levels of the race. Um, and there's this kind of pardon my French, like pissing contest. I see sometimes <laughs> about like how many yards or how many miles people are doing and like, Oh, I'm doing more. So I'm going to do better. It's like, why? And so I, I want to ask you about that because last I heard you weren't, you weren't putting in, you know, 50,000 yards a day, um, <laughs> <laughs> to, you know, to spending your entire life underwater. So, um, is that, is that how you've always done it? Did, was it a shift over time? What, what led you to the decision that you didn't have to participate in the nonsense anymore? Yeah. So I, growing up, I was kind of, um, the traditional, like we did a lot of yards. I only did singles though. So I wasn't doing doubles when I was in high school, but still, you know, getting in the yardage in the practices. So I would say like a typical club team that you would just know growing up. And then when I, when I went to the University of Texas, my load like doubled. So I was doing doubles four times a week. I was lifting three times a week. I was in the distance group. So I was doing like the most amount of yards in the practice possible. And I think, you know, at a certain point, I was probably a little overtrained because I was doing so much. And I, I remember getting sick a lot and just being like, why am I always sick? And because I was doing too much, not getting enough sleep. You know, you have school on top of all that, too. So it's a lot. Um, and then I don't know if you know this part about me, but I took six years off from the sport. Yeah, that's so I didn't definitely something. To yeah. About. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't swim like I'm telling you, I didn't touch the water for six years. Um, and so when I came back and started training again, you know, my body even if I wanted to do that amount of yards, my body w wouldn't have been ready. And 
I think, you know, I just wanted to take a different approach. We, my coach and I, we work with a, a physiologist and um, kind of just like help plan out, you know, what's best for me. I'm 31 years old, so I can't do the same thing that I did when I was 16 years old. It's, it's not gonna, you know, uh, benefit me. I struggle to recover as it is. So you add on like more work to that and I'm going to be even more like broken down. Um, so actually I do one practice a day and you know, some days like if I'm just really broken down, it'll be a 20 minute swim. Okay. Get out and leave because you know, you need this recovery day. So the recovery days are a little more important, I would say. Um, but also so, you know, as I'm saying, I'm doing recovery days like every other day. I'm, I'm working hard most days, um, just not, you know, not doing two, two and a half, three hour workouts all the time. And so I think it's it's been a good change for me. And I think that it's just kind of what I need, where I'm at. And everybody's a little different. So being able to um, kind of adapt and try new things at this age has has kind of worked for me. So we're going with it. <laughs> so I, I kind of discussed this kind of thing with, with my coach um, as I'm actually coming back uh, from an injury right now, just a weird stress fracture. We were very, very conservative with my, like mileage and increases and stuff. It was just my shoes mm -hmm. are too soft. But anyway, um, so I, what I'm getting to is I, I was spending more time in the pool recently as I hadn't planned just to go back to running. And like my speed came back really quick. I'm not a swimmer swimmer by any stretch of the imagination, but I was hitting like, like lifetime best times for me within three weeks, which was seemed stupid. Um, it, it just from having one touch in, in what I've noticed from conversations with him and things we've adjusted to and conversations with other people, it seems like, I don't know if you get smarter when you get older about like <laughs> what amount of training matters and what is just, you know, for show, or if it's a matter of, because you put in so much time as a young person, as a young athlete coming back to it, like that touch is still there. There's still that muscle memory mm. to get you, you know, aligned properly in the water. Your technique's going to be, you know, far better than anything I could ever have, no matter how much time I put in my, you know, put in the pool <laughs> now. So I wonder you know, how much of each factor comes into play, whether it's just playing it smarter or whether it's relying on all that base you put in when you were younger? Well, I think it's been really interesting to see what has happened this last year with clubs all, all across the country. You know, people were out of the water for anywhere between like a couple weeks to a couple months. And it just amazed me how many swimmers came back and they were going best times almost immediately mm -hmm. and it's almost as if they needed that little you know they, that was a couple couple month break or a couple week break different than my six-year break my six-year break took me a little bit longer um but that but they literally just like would jump in and they started going best times and I thought that was pretty amazing and you know we just kind of talked about like maybe their body needed that break like you know swimming is such like as you said it's such an endurance sport it's grueling it's year round there are barely any breaks and so I think that was really telling you know maybe maybe we're doing a little too much in the swimming world and we need to you know, back off a little bit and not be trying to do the most all the time. <laughs> yeah. The, the biggest thing I, I 
seem to see as a difference. So like adjustment from coming from a running background and then getting into triathlon is it, it seems like swimmers are comfortable going hard every day. I think because of the lack of like the concussive nature of it. So when you go run, I mean, it, it has more impact on your joints than if you're in the pool, but it still seems like you tear your muscles apart working hard. Like they still need to recover. So it was yeah. always struck me as how much is too much. And you, you know, why is it so different? Is, is it really just the concussive nature of running versus swimming that makes that difference of being able to go harder all the time. Yeah. You would love talking to my boyfriend. He's actually my coach, which we can talk about that later. If you want to know, that's an interesting um, combination. He's the head coach for the Columbus aquatic club and he was a runner growing up. Mm -hmm. And so he always talks about like, man, why, like the sports are, you know, they have similarities. Why are we training so significantly different? And, you know, so I think that you guys would probably really enjoy talking about that kind of stuff. I know nothing about running, but a little bit, little pieces of it because he talks about it a lot and, you know, makes those connections with the sports. But, yeah. Yeah, I I think I would be comfortable coaching uh, through college kind of speeds. Uh, I don't know if I would be comfortable coaching pros. It depends on where they are. Because I guess in some sense, like speed is speed and it's about adjusting to the athlete. Um, Mm. So my, my running knowledge is fairly deep. The swimming stuff has just come a little bit as a byproduct of doing it, I guess, 10 years now, but uh, I wouldn't, I would, I would hardly know where to start in optimizing like (laughs) swimmers. I would be like, I guess we're going to try this out and just hope something sticks. Like the, the methodology is just not down there for me. So props to him for, for making the switch over and getting it figured out. Cause like I said, in, as he's told you, and I mentioned just the mentality seems so different. I know when I was um, speaking with my college coach or my college, the college swim coach, not my coach, that he always told me that like, the women could go harder for a longer period of time than the men could. If you froze for a little Sorry, bit. You, so. Yeah, you froze. So I only got the, the last little bit of that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, you're all right. Um, we'll see. I'll, I'll try to chop this in editing. We'll, we'll, we'll try to fix that out. Um, so I'm not sure where I was when I, I froze for you and you froze for me, but um, so when I spoke to the swim coach I had in my college. He always told me like women could train harder more often than the men could like the men would break more easy. Is yeah. that like your personal experience? Yeah, I think, you know, I don't, I don't really know for sure, but I think it's probably has to do with, you know, muscle mass. Like men are just so much more muscular, especially whenever you get into college, mm-hmm. they're just so much bigger. And so they're going to break down a lot faster. Um, But I also, you know, there are going to be women that are breaking down fast too. I think it kind of just depends on what you probably grew up doing. You know, I grew up as a distance swimmer, so my body's just kind of used to going and going and going. And there are going to be other people who are, you know, just more made out to be like those flat out sprinters who they can sprint 
but then they can't do much more than that. I wish I was that, but I'm not. <laughs> sprinting life always seemed a little more fun than the distance. <laughs> I think in the pool, it's to, I mean, at running, you're going out, you're seeing things, assuming you're not on the, mm-hmm. the treadmill, which is a terrible time, uh, unless you're doing a speed workout and then it's fine. Um, but yeah, just, there's not a whole lot going on at looking at the bottom of the pool. Nope. Um, I, I often find myself, and I, I don't know if this is just me being a weirdo or if actual swimmers do this, but I often find myself almost like closing my eyes as I swim. Like they're kind of open, but I'm not really, I'm not really looking at anything. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's visual information, but I'm like, I'm inside my own head. Yeah. Does that happen to you? Oh yeah. I don't know that I'm necessarily like closing my eyes, but I will get into like this. I I call, I think it's the flow state, you know, but like it happens to me very frequently during some practices trying to figure out how to get it to transfer over into swim meet. But I will be like, I will not know what's going like, I'll be so in the zone of what's going on within the workout and like paying attention to the clock. Like, I don't even know if someone's swimming beside me. I don't know. Like I have no idea what's going on out here. (laughs) Yeah. It's, there's something a little hypnotic about it. Yeah. It's, you know, I think for me, it's a little bit of this technique, just like trying to keep my head straight and one eyeball out of the water and one in the water (laughs) when I'm breathing. And I think that that's part of it. But it's just a little different than if I'm going out for a run. I can get to that place, but there's much more visual information going on when I'm out when I'm out running. So yeah, um, definitely. Thinking about that though, I I, this is as we before we got going. I said I was going to do this, and this is me doing this because I can't recall. I was speaking to a a lady who works with swimmers, talking about pacing and, and coaching. She does research with them, and she. Um, was talking to me about kind of the advent or the beginning of the usage of like pace lights and pools and the the problems with them. Um, And she was talking about how the many of the swimmers that she's worked with, and she works with um, like the Australian Olympians and hopeful Olympians. She's talking about how their like sense of rate of perceived exertion is just terrible. Like they're not quite, they're not really sure how fast they're going and will often go too fast in a warm up when they mm-hmm. should just be slowing down. Um, so I'm just curious about your experience. Have you been in a pool with the pace lights? Does being a, an endurance swimmer give you a better sense of that RPE, um, which I know I rely on a lot. Uh, so just curious about your history and, and, and thoughts there. Yeah, I've never used the pace lights before. Um, I can imagine that would be kind of weird because then you're just trying to like stay with the light instead of like really paying attention to how fast you're going or, you know, what it really feels like. I think um, for me, just I don't know if it's from being a distance somewhere or just being like really in tune with my body and paying attention to the clock and stuff. But I've always been pretty good at like knowing how fast I'm going and just knowing what, what my pace is. And that's just... Uh, something that like I've had for as long as I can remember. So I don't really know where that stemmed from. I think, you know, part of it is just being aware, you know, there are a lot of swimmers who they touch the wall and they don't even look up at the clock to see what their time is. So of course they're never going to figure out that, make that connection of 
this is what this feels like when I'm going this speed or doing this. And I think that I was just very aware and fortunate to be able to, to notice those kind of things for myself. So, and that never really went away for me. You know, when I came back, I kind of was like, obviously the paces were slower, but I, I figured it out pretty quickly where I was at. Yeah. I mean, if you'll allow me a little hyperbole, it just seems insane to me that like swimmers wouldn't have this like excellent sense of rate of perceived exertion because you have, like we were just talking about, there's, there's no reference. There's the pool line, but for, for most of it, unless there's drains or something like there's very little outside reference to where you are at any given time. So like it, it feels to me, it seems like the perfect environment to foster this just excellent sense of this is exactly how fast I'm going. But so to hear her say that and say, no, like they're all over the map. There's a few that are very good, but like, I think it was more like 80, 20, like 20% really good. And then 80% were like, I have no idea. I just go. And then (laughs) that's it. And I guess there's a, there's, there's a simplicity. There's kind of a, a, a nice, I don't know, idea about, I'll just go and do it. I, I know I certainly am guilty of overthinking my intervals. Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> so maybe, maybe I'm the one that's causing the problem when there really isn't one. Maybe I should just be going and yeah, the heck with it from there. It's a curse and a blessing. Last night I had a workout and it was, you know, a little more distance oriented. And we, at the end, you know, my coach was like, that was a really good workout for you. I was like, no, it wasn't. And he's like, you have to stop comparing yourself to what you did when you were 16, because, you know, the distance workouts that you're doing now is not going to be as fast as what you were doing then. But that doesn't mean you're not just as fast in like a race setting. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm putting, putting those things into perspective. But yeah, it can be really challenging sometimes when you almost are too aware. <laughs> yes. You know, and th- funny enough, like that's exactly what my coach says to me. You're only a year younger than me. And I'm, uh, not Olympic caliber, but I'm trying to come back and run like lifetime PRs in the 10 K and he keeps, I'll be like, eh, you know, that was like, I, I used to be this much faster or whatever. He's just like, you got to stop. I'm like, the whole point is a comparison. Like I'm trying, I'm trying to be faster than I've ever been. What do you mean? I can't compare, but yeah, I hear that probably too frequently. Stop comparing yourself to college you or you know high school yeah. or whatever it was um thinking about yeah this, go ahead I, I was just gonna say I think it's good to remember you know in those moments where you're you're not hitting those times where you used to is just remembering that you're still putting in the effort so you're still gaining something from that workout whether you realize it or, or whether you would want to admit it or not because I too easily get like mad after a bad workout and I have to remind myself like well i I still worked hard. So some, you know, I'm still getting something out of that instead of being like, well, the times weren't there. That sucked. It was worthless. No, (laughs) you still benefited from it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that makes me think about since we're of a similar age. And I I spoke with um, several weeks ago, uh, Olympic rower, Akil Abdullah, and he's in his, I think early forties now, early mid forties. And one of the things he said, like mindset, mindset shifts, he's had as he's gotten older is being less critical of himself and more curious. I think that's 
like a big lesson. Yeah. I, 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 what I've always tried to do and not always succeeded by any means is think about like, what would my older self say or what would my older self think about this situation? You know, would I be satisfied with it? Would I, would I even remember? Would I look back and say like, that was good enough in, so sometimes getting that kind of insight from somebody who's actually, you know, a decade on from us, um, who's been through it is I think invaluable. And so hopefully you can be a little less hard on yourself as you're <laughs> continuing forward. I know, I know it's tough, it's tough, right? Cause your deadline's coming up and you know, yeah. training and- I was doing, I was doing so good. Like I think it was like December, January, February, I just felt so confident every day. My workouts were going really well. Like, even if I had a bad workout, I was like, it is what it is. Move on. And then this last month, it's almost like I've gone into panic mode and I'm like, I need to figure out how to chill because I can't, I can't be like this every day for the next two months. That is not healthy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, the only thing that helps me and it's, momentary so <laughs> I, can't, I can't promise any like miracle cures but I, I know when I raced and whether I was in shape or not in shape it didn't matter whether I felt good or felt bad there seemed to be no correlation to how things went like yeah I can yeah. be feeling terrible and have an excellent day I could be feeling great and be a slug and vice versa I could feel great do great, feel bad, do bad. It's just, yes. The, the internal compass at that point seemed to just, it was what it was. So if you can take that as any solace, you've probably been through that. Absolutely. So, <laughs> that's the only thing I could think about, but I, I think I um, heard that you, you know, been working with a psychologist and trying to work on the mental aspect of yeah. competing more than you, when you were younger. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's really important. Um, you know, growing up just wasn't talked about really, you know, then I went to college and I was kind of struggling. As I said, I think, you know, there were some physical struggles as well as mental struggles. Um, and I was, I was told to go see a psychologist and I went, but I didn't understand why I was there. Uh, it wasn't like communicated why. And, there wasn't very good like dialogue going on. So I just, since I didn't understand and I was younger, like I was not getting the benefit out of it. You know what I mean? And so recently, well, when I started swimming again in, in 2018, you know, I reached out to Shannon Mulcahy. She, she works with me now and she's been awesome because we can just sit and talk and, you know, it's never the same conversation each, each time that we talk. It's about whatever my needs are, whether there's a swim meet coming up or, you know, what, what's happened recently where I said I've been like more anxious, um, just like talking through those things. And I think one, it's just really important to be able to have someone to talk to that's not, you know, family, friend, or your coach, or like a teammate who's always there. It's, it's nice to have somebody else that's completely outside and has no idea what's really going on on a day-to-day -day basis to be able to talk to them. And then also she just gives me like really good tips to be able to, to focus on and think, you know, one of the, the best things that I've probably learned from her is just self-talk. And that's helped a lot within workouts because I was going through workouts. I do a lot. I'm training for the tuner butterfly. So we do a lot more butterfly than 
I've ever done in my life. And so it obviously can be really difficult. And I found myself like, honestly, just on repeat saying, I can't do this constantly during like an hour and a half practice. And I finish the practice and, and I do it. I complete the workout. But I'm like, why was I just saying, like, I was literally saying, I can't do this for 90 minutes, like on repeat. <laughs> I was like, that is not good. And so, you know, she helped me kind of transition those thoughts. And I think it's really helped me be able to get through workouts. So I think, you know, I wish I would have known a little bit more about the mental side of it growing up. Um, but I'm very fortunate to be able to get to to learn about it now and kind of get to work through it now. And it's kind of, you know, it's fun getting to go through my whole swimming career almost again, because I get to bring, you know, the good and the bad that I've learned from when I was younger. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. Did you, is there any like things that really stick out to you mentality wise that have changed as you've gotten older or as you've come back to the sport? I think the one thing is when I was younger, I could grind just every day. And I, I have a hard time, you know, obviously I had bad workouts, but I was able to just come back like every day. And, and I was generally like a good practicer. Whereas now that is a little bit more of a struggle for me, especially like I'll have like one week a month where I just like, suck at practice and and that that can be really hard for me to understand why and stuff like that but I think that's probably more just with age than really like the mentality side of it because it's not that I don't want to get in there and, and grind it's just that I can't um but yeah I think I don't know it's a tough question I think there there are things like mentally and physically that that have both changed a lot and I just have to be okay with the fact that I'm 31 and things are going to be different. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I think one of the challenges like we, we face as athletes, regardless of level, you know, if you've competed since you were young is not only dealing with just your body getting older, but this idea that you're old, right? <laughs> Now, now, but let me clarify, because um, I think it's a little insidious and it happens to people other than athletes. But if this is where I come back to that, that older version of me and I ask him advice and I say, and really I could just ask my father as he's getting ready to turn <laughs> 78, 79 this year, I have to think about this. Um, but, you know, I think about 90 year old me talking to myself going, I'm 32. You're 32. Like you're still young. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So I think some of that duality in being an athlete, but also in the entirety of your lifespan, being still young, I think that's a big challenge because in some ways, you know, this is the end of the road. Like it's, mm. it's coming up quick, you know, yeah. in, in, in it's not going to last forever. You can't be top level swimmer when you're 90. Like yeah. it's just not going to happen. You could probably still uh, kill it at master's meets. Um, <laughs> but I think that's something I struggle with, uh, you know, thinking about getting older. Cause it's like, like I said, neither of us are old by yeah. means, but, but there are challenges athletically that you, you deal with. And 
Um, so thinking about that leads me a little bit into, you know, what's the inspiration to come back? Because you already had the opportunity to step away and say, okay, I'm going to reinvent myself. I'm going to start over from scratch at something new, or I'm going to start where I'm maybe not as competent. Um, how, you know, how does the, the flame get reignited to say, well, let's give this one more shot? Yeah. So I graduated from Texas in 2012. I, I finished my eligibility and then I was going to continue swimming until the trials that summer. So I only had, you know, our, our uh, NCAAs is in March. So only, you know, a couple months till June until Olympic trials, that would have been my third Olympic trials. And I just was so unhappy with swimming. And so I was like, no, you know what? I need to step away from the sport. Like I can't do this anymore. I'm not happy. I'm crying every day. It's not good for me. It's not good for my teammates. I stepped away for like two days and I was like, no, I have to go to the Olympic trials. Like I can't stop now. Like, you know, my goal is always to make the Olympic team. I can't like not at least go give it a, give it a shot. So I went back, I like practiced for two more days and I was like, no, I can't do this. Like just, I'm not going to make the Olympic team if I'm like literally this miserable every day. Mm -hmm. So it, it was a back and forth for me on uh, finishing my, my career whenever I did. And it, I just, you know, was miserable at that point. So I had to step away and I had this bitterness towards the sport for a very long time. And it took me six years really to, to, to find the love for the sport again. And I think, you know, a huge part of the bitterness was because I knew there was so much more left in me. I just couldn't give it in that moment because I was so unhappy with where I was at. And so I, I started coaching almost immediately, even though I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to get as far away from the sport as I could, but I moved back home to Pennsylvania and I had to get certified to be a teacher there. So it was, you know, just a part-time job for me to have while I was finishing my teaching certification. And it still, you know, was a struggle for me to be on pool deck for, for a while. And then I think it was in 2016, we moved to Columbus, Georgia. And I think the move was just like a breath of fresh air, something different. When, I, when we moved down here, I started working with like the eight and unders. So they have all this energy and love for the sport that kind of reminded me of why I started swimming. Like I was like, oh yeah, I was that eight and under one time and that's why I swam for as long as I did. And so that's kind of what got me to fall in love with the sport and coaching it. And then two years later, we started this master's program and I was like, okay, I'm just going to get in and work out. You know, it's been six years since I've like literally done any kind of working out, probably good for me to work out again. And I, I just fell in love with it. Like right away, I was like, wow, this feels good. I, this is what I missed. And, you know, I got to see my boyfriend, my coach be a coach for like four years before I just started, decided to start swimming again. And so I think I just had that trust that he was a good coach. I had that belief in, in what we could do together. And it just ended up, you know, progressing from there. And I, I never even, when I started swimming for our master's program, I was like, I'm not going to do swim meets. Well, I was like literally a month later and I got talked into doing a swim meet and I like, I, I swam so like so slow, but I loved it. 
And then it just kind of progressed from there. And literally, I think it was maybe five months of training. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to, to give this another shot for real. So very unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that you kind of refound that joy. There's, that's something I, I try to help or hope people find in whatever their sport is. I, you know, I, I don't know if you've had this experience because swimming's a little different, but because I loved running so much growing up, yeah, family members, strangers, teachers, whatever, all kinds of people say, Oh, I wish I could run that much. I just, I don't like running. It's like, that's, that's fine. You like it. It's not going to bother me if you don't like running. Like you should yeah. find something that you find joy in, not something that you think is a, like a death march to <laughs> yeah. complete. And it, maybe this is a deeper psychological issue, but I, I think sometimes with all of the pressures of being an adult, paying bills, going, you know, doing your job, just the day-to-day grind of existing, making food for yourself, like everything i think it's easy to forget like just that place where you exist as a child and you can just be joyful doing something yeah and i feel like if if we're able to hold on to that in some aspect whether it's sport or a hobby whatever it is like that helps in my opinion like us become more fulfilled people so it's it's interesting to me that you you kind of saw that and sparked that a little bit with your your eight hundreds yeah. because they do it naturally. They don't yes. they don't know anything different. That's just they just are. Yeah. No, I think that's super important. When I graduated from college, I was so unhappy for so long because I was like, you know, I just gave up my sport that I I did since I was four years old. You know, what do I do now? And I was trying to chase this success, and I didn't know what success really meant. You know, at at the age of, I was 22 when I graduated, I thought success meant I have a really good job and I get paid a lot of money. And here I am trying to be a teacher. Well, obviously that's not going to happen. So, you know, like, what, what am I doing? And just really unhappy. And I, I think that I've always had this huge love for the sport of swimming, like more than I've always like said, I'm like this crazy person who like loves swimming too much and so I think whenever I finally just like allowed myself to be okay and understand that coaching is actually you know a great job and that I don't need to be finding the success in a normal nine-to-five job because I have plenty of friends who do the nine-to-five job and they're unhappy and I'm like okay well I'm coaching and I and now I'm you know swimming and that those are my jobs right now and I'm loving life and I think that is like so much more important than than trying to you know do what you think that you're expected to do and it took me a while to to kind of figure out and once I realized like I just need to do what makes me happy and if I can do that then I'm going to be successful in that and as soon as I realized that my my life like it it changed and I've been so much happier since then. That's hard. You know, it's hard to understand that, especially like when you've done a sport for so long, cause that's all, you know, and then it's like, well, now you got to find something else or you got to do something else and you don't have that sport anymore to like fall back on. So it was challenging. Yeah. Well, there's that fear, right? It was like, if I'm not doing this, 
Mm-hmm. Who am I? And then also, so like there's there's this fear of loss. There's the like the sunk cost fallacy. You're like, I've already put so much time into this. I might yeah. as well just keep going. And, and you know, so you know, before we got going, I I mentioned her, but last week I spoke to Kim Vandenberg, and she also it, it loves doing the fly, 200 fly. Mm-hmm. Um, though it didn't make the Olympics, and it was on the the relay in 2008. And um, I asked her, and and she herself mentioned being this way, and just seemed like a lot of Olympians are miserable because of how much just focus and time and effort it takes to yeah. be an Olympian. Um, and then that actually also reminds me of another conversation I had with a gentleman uh, by the name of Fergus Connolly uh, a few weeks ago who wrote the ha- happiness handbook for high achievers. And like, it's, I think now you've, especially probably working with the psychologists have gone through and kind of looked at a mental framework for figuring out like what should I be doing why am I doing it all those kind of things but like for people who haven't examined those things about their lives like if I, I found it, it it's a great way to start thinking about those concepts because as he mentions and he's worked with he like he worked with the, the San Francisco 49ers and a, a bunch of other um, like top level European soccer leagues and just a lot of high achieving people are not as happy as we think they are yeah. because of the grind yeah. you know, and, and the pressure and, and all that that goes on um, behind the scenes, uh, despite the media portraying, you know, like, Oh, Leah's the, the highlight star. reel. Yeah. <laughs> the highlight was like, yeah, you saw like, how long does the 200 fly take like a minute and a half what how long is it how long is that race a little over two minutes two minutes okay yeah so still we're a little two minutes you watch two minutes of my life you missed the hundreds and thousands of hours yeah exactly <laughs> that point and it's i don't think it's possible maybe it is i don't think it's possible to truly convey the depths that your mind goes through and through all that training if, to people who haven't been through some kind of similar arduous journey. Yeah. Yeah. I, so it wasn't actually too long ago. I was talking to someone and they were talking about, you know, all these Olympians or Olympic hopefuls in our sport that are just in such a bad place mentally and physically, whether they have injuries or whatnot. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to, to get to that point, you know, like, and that's because I, I did get to that point whenever I was younger in college, I got to that point of being in such a bad mental place. And I'm like, I'm doing this again. I want to do it right. You know, I want to make sure that I'm staying happy through this and not getting myself. And that's not to say that, you know, you don't have to get yourself to that bad mental place or physical place in order to perform well. I actually think that is probably hurting you, whether you realize it or not, you know? So like, man, I don't, I want to make sure I'm doing this right. I want to make sure I'm staying happy. And that is hundred percent not to say I don't have bad days and I I'm an emotional person. So I cry more than the average person as it is, but you know, I'm actually, you know, even after those bad days and stuff, I really am enjoying the whole process of it. And I think that's really important, but you're right. It's really unfortunate that, you know, all these high level athletes do get into that bad mental place and just there's, 
I don't know if there's just like not enough help out there or it's not talked about enough or we just want to see the high right, highlight reel of, of their lives and we don't want to see the bad stuff that comes along with it. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's hard, right? It's, especially, you know, when I just went to a swim meet, I was in California a week ago and my swim meet didn't go well. And so that's, that's hard, you know, like, I don't want to talk about that as much as I want to talk about the, the good swim meets, right? So it's just, it can be, can be really hard, especially the, the ones who already are at the top because everybody expects so much from them. Like nobody expects anything from me because I'm this 31 year old swimmer who's, mm -hmm. you know, trying to make a comeback. So when I do something well, it's like, oh, wow, that happened instead of like, oh, shit, really bad. That sucks. <laughs> so for me, it's a little bit easier, I think, than it is for those that, you know, are already at the top, like, you know, that are in everybody's eyes, the ones who are going to make the Olympic team. So. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, it makes me think about the breakthroughs I had in college, where my absolute best times would be, I, you know, I have a plan for my race. But I would just say, coach, you know, my, my entire goal today is to go have fun. Mm -hmm. like, like these are what my sports yeah. are going to be, but I'm just going to enjoy it. Cause I, you know, it'd be a particular, there's, there's a couple courses that we would race every year for cross country. And I just love those courses. And I'm like, I'm going to go just enjoy this course. And, you know, undoubtedly those would be the best times if I could get myself, you know, into that, that true place of like, I don't care. I'm just going to have fun. Yeah. It, getting that place is not easy, which I think. No, it's <laughs> easier said than done, but man, you're right. Like if you, uh, so, you know, all the summates that I go to recently, it's been, you know, let's try a different race strategy. Let's see if something different works. And I'm all about trying something new. Cause you never know what, like, you know, what's going to click, what's going to, you know, produce the best time or whatever. And every time, Every time we try a new race strategy, it does not go well. <laughs> and then there are there are times where you know we're just like, all right, I'm just gonna go, you know, go race and go have fun, and and that's that's when when it it comes together, and that's like something that we try to teach, you know, the kids is like, stop worrying so much. Like it's just a race. Like get up there and have fun. You've already put in all the work, but like you know easier said than done. How, how, how are you able to, to really do that every single time and, you know, not let those nerves get the best of you? <laughs> yeah. In some ways it's like, you know, thinking about kid mentality, it's like, how do you teach kids to do what they already do? Yeah. Like, like when kids are out at recess, they're running around having fun. Yeah. How do you teach them to like, just do that. But yeah. here in the pool, like it's the same thing. Yeah. And how do you get that translated? Yeah, we had um, our championship meet for the kids and the kids did really well. Um, like, you know, a lot of best times they, they had a great meet. But then like a week later, we did this March Madness where we set the kids up and they do races and there's like elimination rounds and stuff like that. And we just did like a week of like racing in practice. And they went even more best times. And it's like, that's because you're just swimming, having fun, getting up racing. You're not nervous. You know, you're not thinking about it too much. You're just enjoying it. But so easy to do it in that setting. You know, how do you replicate that setting and just do the same thing whenever, you know, there's more people watching, 
there's more pressure, there's, you know, things on the line, but not, not really, because it's still just a swim meet, it's still just a race, but yeah, yeah. I'm trying to teach myself that for in two months when I get to try on Sisto. <laughs> Hopefully I figure that out by then. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, you know what you got to do, but then that's, that's the trick, right? It's like, okay, I know I have to get myself to a place of, I don't care, but I can't yeah. care enough to get to a place that I don't care because I still care. Yeah. You're stuck in this loop. So, but thinking about like fun stuff and I, I was thinking about this as I was swimming um, on Monday. Uh, I, I talked with Kim about this and I, so this concept comes up, which I'm sure you've heard. And I asked her about it. And, and so she was, seemed like she was kind of on board with this. And then I, I got, got to thinking Monday, like, how do we actually make this happen? And we're talking about um, like a pros and Joe's swim meet. So the, the idea is like, people don't understand how fast Olympians are because they can't see average Joe. Yeah. So next to them, you know, and I, I mentioned to her, there, there are people at my pool that go, Oh, you're going to the Olympics. Now keep in mind, I'm at the pool when like people are doing water aerobics and they're like, <laughs> nine so there's, there's no concept of what fast in the pool is. Like, I'm not, you know, like I would be lapped very, very quickly. Um, so, so I got to thinking about pros and Joes and I'm, I'm trying to think about like, how, how do we make this happen? First of all, how do we make it happen? But second, like, how do we set it up so it's fair? And so then my, my brain started thinking about like major league triathlon and started thinking about the like relay courses. And I'm like, you could do like mixed, like co-ed relays, like one Joe and one pro man and woman, then each, and there's like, like relay teams and you, gonna be like trials and then you set them up so that you try to even out the speeds or something i don't know is this a good idea or am i am i totally just out of my mind trying to figure out how to make this happen no i think that would be fun i think a lot of people who aren't swimmers think that swimming is easier than it really is you know uh, i growing up my high school swim team had like a football player join the high school swim team and he like thought you know He's a football player. Somebody's going to be strong. Easy. He's just gonna oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was struggling. And then, you know, we've had the one of our high schools around here, the baseball team will come in and swim and they're, you know, they're struggling through the swim workouts. And I think, you know, the more people that we can just show like, yeah, swimming's hard. And like, this is what it takes to get to be like really good. I think that's cool. And it just gives, um, get swimming into the spotlight a little bit more, you know, it's just not one of those sports that people like to watch. And I think part of it is <clears throat> there's not the same appreciation for it because people just don't know. They don't, they don't yeah. know, you know, what swimming really is. And so I think that would be a cool way to, to get it out there a little bit more. In my head. And again, this is like, this isn't even a half baked idea. This is like, <laughs> we're just needing dough. We haven't even let it rise. We're not, it's not, the oven's not preheating. There's, there's nothing going on besides me just going like, how can we do this and make it like a big charity event and raise money, like, you know, for a good charity or something. Yeah. And so I'm like, how do we do like something, you know, not just, we could say like, Hey, let's do, you know, 100 IM medley or like mixed relay or something like the normal swim meet events but how do we do something different like you know uh there's a tendency a, a while back before rules were changed for people to do 
like Dolphin could kick as far as they could. And sometimes yeah. they make it entirely. So I was yeah. like, could we make a whole event just doing that? Yeah. And then like penalties for, you know, coming up to breathe. And obviously the Joes are going to have a harder time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, you know, so I'm trying to think of like, how do you do fun, weird events that are like swim skills, but are not necessarily swim races in the normal yeah. sense? You could do like, um, you know, the, the pro swimmer against a relay of Joe swimmers. Okay. You know, like they could, like, if it's a hundred, the pro swimmer could swim those straight hundred the, there could be four Joe swimmers doing 25s that could make it a little yeah. more interesting, a little closer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's I, like. I just, I'm just trying to think about the possibilities because again, it just, I think when you can bring the fun back to it, I think, yeah, I think the pros and maybe I'm speaking out of turn. I think the pros would have a lot of fun just being like getting in the water and being able to play and like do something silly instead of just like, Hey, we're, we're yeah. only here to go as fast as we can. It's like, well, I want to go as fast as I can, but we're also, you know, raising money for whatever cause it is. I, I don't know. Again, we're not even half baked at this point. Yeah. Well, when you get fully baked, you can sign me up. I'll do it. <laughs> okay. okay. I'm, I'm good. I've got my first recruit. one of the other problems i have and we'll move on from this here shortly but just is is figuring out how do you the pros are easy easy to define but how do you define a joe yeah i don't that's a good question you know what i mean like do i qualify as a joe or am i too fast to be a joe because i'm not fast but like i have some swim experience are we talking about yeah people that have never been in the pool before or like do you make a time cutoff and like, you have to be this slow to get that? So <laughs> that's one of my problems. I don't know exactly how to do that. We've lost Leah again. She's, she's frozen. She'll be back here in a second. I'm Lots sure. to think about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah back with me the whole frozen time. yet i'm i'm good can okay. you hear me yeah i was like I knew uh, you, you were, were good the whole time you didn't freeze okay so i was like i knew you were frozen so i was like i'll just wait we'll get back <laughs> we'll be all right sorry um, my internet kind of sucks <laughs> no it's fine i was actually um uh, you know i'll probably leave it as is because i try not to edit but i had i like had a conversation with uh, a pro cricket player from south africa a couple weeks ago and it was i had to edit it because it, it was like he'd start talking and like the middle of his sentence would pause and then it'd continue i was like i gotta put it all together yeah and it was such a good conversation i was like i was like i don't want to have to try to re-record and in but i hate editing so i is like the only time i think we've ever really edited an episode um but anyway my point being people's internet varies uh yeah. so I, I wouldn't worry too much about <laughs> it um see what was the other thing I, I was like i had a thought and then i lost it oh um thinking about you know you mentioned earlier your boyfriend is also your coach and the coach mm -hmm. of the the team there uh how does that dynamic i guess that dynamic plays well it seems like some people wouldn't wouldn't handle that well like i don't think I, I, and I actually have, uh, to, to a, a very lesser extent, uh, coached my fiance 
um, in running a little bit. She has no running background, is not trying to be competitive at all. And it, it's, it doesn't work for us. Um, <laughs> so I know from a personal perspective that like, it just, you know, our personalities don't quite match up as coach and athlete. So, so yeah. how does that dynamic play with you guys? You know, once you uh, are not on the pool deck, is it no more shop talk? Are there any hard rules like that? Yeah. So I think what works for us is we've been, we're coming up on seven years of dating. So I, we, you know, I had four years of dating him where I wasn't swimming and I only saw him as a, you know, as a coach. And I, you know, for like two of those years, I wasn't even coaching. So I wasn't even really on the deck with him. I would just hear him talk about swimming when he would come home. And then after that, there were two years where I was coaching with him in Columbus. And so I really got to see him as a coach and I got to see his coaching style. I got to see, um, you know, just the way that he, his, his thought process behind training and stuff like that. So I got to have four years of understanding and then having this buildup of belief in him of being a really good coach. And I think that, you know, had I not seen that, it would maybe be a little bit different, but I trust him so much as a coach and I believe in him so much that it's easy for me to walk on the pool deck and just do what he's asking me to do. And I think that's something that I've always been really good at is just showing up and doing what I'm told and then, you know, leaving. And so it works for us in that sense. Um, I, there, you know, there are parents who coach their kids just in, you know, different sports in the swimming world. And I don't think that that would have been good situation for me because my parents, uh, you know, I didn't see that same like belief, you know, they didn't coach swimming. They didn't grow up swimming. They don't have that swimming background. So I think, you know, that is the biggest thing that makes it work between us. And, you know, the other thing is this was me swimming was 110% my decision. He never, you know, forced me to swim. He never tried to get me to swim. Um, and every day, you know, if I'm having a bad day and I don't really want to be at the pool or something, he's like, you can leave. Like, I'm not keeping you here. And so we have that really good relationship where he knows it has to be on me. And, you know, I think that's the benefit of being older and, you know, doing this for myself. It's like every decision that I make, whether it's working hard or if I, you know, don't give an effort that I'm supposed to, that's on me. You know, it's not on him. I can't blame him for that. It's, it's hundred percent me. And we do do a really good job of, you know, when we leave the pool, we'll still talk about swimming because we're both swim nerds and we love it. And that's our life. We coach and I swim and so you can't get away from it. But if there's ever too much of it, like if I'm starting to feel overwhelmed, I'm like, we need to talk about something else. And we'll talk about something else. Honestly, I'm probably the one who brings up swimming the most just because got two months till trials. Like it's just what's on my mind, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, but then, you know, we also work really well together because we both coach at the same time. And I think that our dynamic works well because he doesn't have the same swimming background as me, you know, being a swimmer growing up and he's really good at like the physiological side of it. And, you know, what you're supposed to be doing, the planning the whole season kind of thing and writing workouts that's not my strength. My strength is, you know, knowing what it feels like in the water. So there will be times that he's explaining something and he's like getting like into the science of it. And I'm like, 
or you could just say, you know, if it's going to feel like this, because that makes more sense to me. And so, you know, we balance each other out in that kind of way. And so it just works for us. Um, I was really worried at first about like, you know, of course, what everybody was going to think because like boyfriend coaching your girlfriend, like that's not going to go well, or like people are going to have, you know, not great things to say. But I think, you know, for the most part, I obviously don't know what people are saying like behind our backs or anything like that. But I think everybody that are that's close to us has seen it be a really positive thing and be really good for us. And we've had fun doing it. I think it's really cool to travel the world with him. Like, that's awesome. You know, unfortunately, when we go to California, it's not really a vacation. We're there to work, but it's still fun to get to to do that with him. And so I think it's been really special and it just works. The thing that I think is tough for a lot of people, and obviously I'm making a generalization here, is that um, I think people will project their own beliefs and social circle onto other people. Mm. Whereas I try, not that I'm always successful because I, again, am human. Yeah. But I try to remember that like people's capacity to do things is great. Meaning that even though I may not have the personal emotional, mental, or psychological capacity to do something or the kind of relationship that allows for something to thrive doesn't mean that somebody else doesn't because mm-hmm. I don't, I haven't lived their life. I don't have their temperament. I don't have rela- their relationships. Like the, the variety of life, I, I think what, what's difficult is that things are often familiar and also unfamiliar at the same time because there's a dynamic at play that you don't have so it's hard for you to understand the one thing that clicked that you said and I went like I already knew it but it it it, you know came to the surface as you said it was his ability to just say if you want to leave like you can leave and not being like get back in the water you need to get this done because that's what I think of as a like coach athlete, like peer relationship. Yeah. As in we're on the same level. This isn't, you know, you mentioned like a a parent coaching a child, you are by definition, like on two different levels. Yeah. It's all, you're like coaching downward instead of coaching sideways. Yeah. And that's just by the nature of their child, they're growing, they're learning all these things, but that you know, says a lot about him and your relationship, just that one situation, because, you know, I'm sure you respect him enough to get in and do the work. And then he respects you enough to trust your judgment to say, Hey, if you're not feeling it, like you're the one that is doing the swimming, you make that judgment call and I'll stand by it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that that has been something that has really worked for my overall swimming performance as well is because he is so willing to listen how listen to how I'm feeling you know like if I'm just so broken down and he sees you know me struggling through practice he'll, he'll ask like how are you feeling right now and as long as I'm being 100% honest with him you know then the decision that he makes on top of that as a coach of whether it's like well we're just going to power through it you know because you have to have those days where you're powering through a difficult workout or if it's just like looking really bad and he's like okay like just 
just take it easy the rest of the day, then, you know, we'll reassess later. And so I think that has been, you know, not something that you can do for everybody because it's hard to do that in a program, right? You know, a college program or a club program, you can't cater to ever you sh you should try your best to cater to kind of every every person but it's really hard and i think just being older and kind of swimming more on my own as a professional it's easier to to have that you know how are you feeling today talk to tell me what's going on you know like you're having a good day or bad day figuring out you know why and what's going well and what's and it's so much easier for me to communicate those things to him because I'm his girlfriend. Well, sometimes that makes it difficult, honestly, but you know, it's easier to, to talk that through probably than, you know, one of our 15 year olds that's on the team trying to communicate. Also, I just know my body really well at this point. So it's a lot easier for me to be like, mm, I'm, I'm hurting or like, I just, I'm not mentally in it today, you know, or something like that. So yeah, yeah. Leah, as we're winding down on time, um, you probably saw this. We didn't get to talk about Travis, who was back in episode 46, who's your strength coach, which I didn't know before you came on. So that's kind of a, a fun way to go about things. So if you want to listen to Travis's conversation, uh, episode 46, you got to go back a ways in the catalog. Um, but because you listen to the episode, you know, each season I have a question I ask everybody. Now, the question I'll ask you is different from Travis because he was in a previous season. Um, but my question this year is how do you stay motivated after failing to reach a goal? I think that can be really hard. Um, but I think, you know, anytime that you fail, it's just a way that you can reassess what you've been doing or what happened and failure is not a bad thing. It's just, you know, a lesson learned and, it's so easy to fail or to not do as well and then to just get mad and, you know, kind of push yourself away from, from those future goals. But I think failure is, can be really powerful and motivating in the way of, I don't want this to happen again. So what can I do differently to make sure that I'm, I don't feel this way again, or, you know, what can I do differently to make sure that I do reach this goal next time? And so failure is really hard. Um, it's just taking, you know, that and learning from it and making sure that you're doing something different or better, or, you know, just reassessing what you did and, and learning from it. So I think, you know, failure obviously has that super negative connotation to it. And so it's easy to just get yourself worked up over it but if you if you look at it and everything everything you do no matter what your race is there's always something positive that you can take away from it always something positive so i think you know even in that failure if you don't reach your goal there's still something that you did well within that and looking at that as well so don't not just looking you know you got to find the positives and and you have to look at it realistically and be understanding of why you're you're in that position and how you can move on and, and grow from it. Leah, um, I know if you uh, people want you to be the mentor, they can get in touch with you through Rise Athletes, but is there anywhere else that people can kind of follow you, see what's going on, keep in touch as they're, you know, coming up on, on the trials here? Yeah, my Instagram, I try to post on my Instagram. You know, I have some days that I don't really post as much. Um, I try 
especially two months out, I try to really just listen to, to myself. And if I'm not in a place mentally to post things, I don't post things. And if I'm feeling it, I'm, I'm feeling it. Um, but yeah, my Instagram handle is just my name. So it's, it's just Leah Gingrich. Um, I'd love for some more followers trying, trying to get it up there a little bit, you know, trying to post more stuff, but <laughs> it's hard. I do the same thing every day. Like my life is kind of, <laughs> I think it's fun, but it's kind of boring to watch. Like I wake up, have coffee, I go swim, I coach, like it's my day. <laughs> you, should, you should just like, you should just do, um, uh, have you seen Zoolander? Yes. Okay. You should just do like the same pose every single day in a different <laughs> swimsuit for like an entire year. Just, just 365, exact same shot, just over and over and over. And because, you know, it's a, at the beginning, it'll be like, what is she doing? And then as the absurdity builds, it will become entertaining. Like, what is she going to do? Is she going to do the same? Like, <laughs> I feel like just, and the enormity of having to do that for an entire year. Um, that's anyway that's just like my stupid sense of fun uh, yeah because it's just a joke for like nobody probably cares but maybe somebody would so if you have fun with it then that's all that really matters right hey and you're getting content out there that's <laughs> right. all that matters right <laughs> absolutely Leah, thanks for hanging out with me today yeah thanks for having me it was a lot of fun absolutely